Did you know that Revelation Wellness has a move in love journal? Hey guys, it's Elisa Keaton, the founder of Revelation Wellness. You know, if I'm not over here doing podcasts, recording podcast or doing interviews with people I think you should know on the podcast. I am have I have my head down creating stuff, asking the Lord, what is needed? What do people need to grow in godliness? Well, of course, you need the word of God. 100% you need the word of God, but I'm convinced here in America in the first world countries, we are not perishing from lack of access to the scriptures. We know and we have the scriptures. We are perishing from our our lack of intimacy with God, walking out the scriptures. And our Move in Love journal is all about seeing you live the life that God has called you to live. So as that promo talked through things for you, I, I hope you listened. If you're someone that needs some momentum in your life and you don't need another rah, rah, puff it up, you know, um, going through steps that are not rooted back to the word of God, then um, this isn't the journal for you. This is a journal for the person who says, I want to grow in godliness. And I know it's connected to the things that God has called me to do for the day, for the week, for the month, for this year and beyond. You guys, without a vision, people perish. And I would also say without that vision, coming close and near to God to ask him, God, what does it look like to live out this call, this this vision that I have concerning my my body. How does my body play a call to this? What do I need to do for my body? What do I need to do for my, my mind, my thoughts? What do I need to do with my feelings? And every day you practice this rhythm of taking God at his word and applying it to your life as you are a multi-dimensional being with thoughts and feelings and actions that you can take. So I encourage you to swipe up to learn more um, and to go get yourself. You don't even know if you need to learn more. Get one of our Move in Love journals. It is a great tool to train yourself in writing things down. People that write things down are 42% more likely to do it. Listen, that's huge odds. I get so excited about that. And I am living proof of this. I never used to write things down. So in the spirit of that, how great. Today, I'm, inter- I'm interviewing and introducing you to Allison Fallon. Um, Allison is the author of The Power of Writing It Down. <laughs> this is so up my alley, you guys. I-, I-, I say it because I never used to do this. My thoughts would just be swirling around and ideas and creative things, and it almost got paralyzing. I, I had to start bellying up to the to the the journal to say, okay, what is going on inside my mind? So writing it down is so powerful. And her book, I've read a lot of books about writing. I just want you to know I'm always learning, writing, all the things, places that I want to grow in knowledge. Allie's book is one of the best books I have I have read of read of recent about writing down. If you if you want to be a writer, and here's what Allison says, everyone's a writer. Did you write an email today? Did you, did you take your thumbs to your phone? <laughs> you wrote something down. We need to demystify what a writer's life is supposed to look like. And I love it at the end. She kind of um, commemorates or invites you all into the club as a writer. And so stay tuned for her, her uh, kind of inauguration speech to you about what it takes to be a writer. I'm sure this conversation with you with her today is going to inspire you to come on. There are things inside of you that that must make its way out. And isn't it true? Scripture 
is written down for us to be recording in history that has been recorded and those things have come to pass and there are still things yet to come to pass that have been written down. So let's write these stories down. Let's record God's goodness and create a testimony to leave on the earth. All right, and be encouraged today. Thank you donors for making this podcast possible. Thank you, Rebel TV users as our donors. It is our gift to you. We are so grateful to get to do this with you. Have a fantastic day and be encouraged. Your life, your story, your words matter. Peace. Everyone, I am stoked today to bring you a, a new voice you haven't heard on the podcast before. She's been around a while, though. She's written lots of books. Her name is Allie Fallon, and she wrote a book, The Power of Writing It Down, A Simple Habit to Unlock Your Brain and Reimagine Your Life. Before this started, I just told Allie, Allie that I've read this book front to back. You guys, we were holding the book in my hand. It is dog-eared, underlined, <laughs> bold, um, and it's one of the best books that I've ever written on writing, or I've ever read on writing. Um, even told a couple of my writing friends, like, you, you know, we all have the writing books, but I would highly encourage you all, you all know how I'm list talking all the time to you about writing things down and expressing it, getting it out of your body onto paper. Um, it does something. So Allie, Welcome to the Revelation Wellness Podcast. Yeah, thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. I'm so, so excited. Would you give us a little background on yourself? Because you have literally just dropped on my radar and I feel oh, like yeah. I need to just listen to her voice. By the way, she has a podcast. Found that out today. I do. Already kind of binged on a few episodes. So um, yeah, I'm kind of fangirling in a, in a new way. I so tell it. me about who you are <laughs> and how this all came to be. Well, I have a business called Find Your Voice. That's the name of the podcast too. And we're on Instagram at let's find your voice, but essentially this all started over 10 years ago now, completely by accident. I did not know that this is where I would end up when I made this decision 12 years ago now. But, um, what I did was quit my full-time job because I knew that I knew that I knew in the depths of my soul that I was supposed to write a book. Wow. So I quit my full-time job. I set off on this journey to become an author. I was super naive. I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't know anything about the publishing industry. I didn't know anyone. I didn't know how to write a book. I thought it was going to take me six months. That shows you how naive I was. I didn't know what a book proposal document was. I didn't know oh. any the lingo or the inside terms or anything like that. All I knew was I had this message that I wanted to share and it was supposed to be in the form of a book. And that's just what I knew. And I set off on this journey that turned into about a three-year journey of uh, writing the manuscript first and then scrapping that because it was terrible. <laughs> and then realizing I needed to write a book contract or a book proposal document. So writing the proposal document and finding an agent and then finding a publisher and getting rejected and all the things. <laughs> and it was over three years after that, three and a half years later, that I finally published my first book, Packing Light, which came out at the end of 2013. Yeah. And um, when the book came out, it did, it actually did pretty well in the marketplace, which was encouraging to see. Awesome. But the thing I didn't expect was that even though the book was doing well, better than I expected it to do, better than I think even the publishers expected it to do, it still wasn't helping me generate a full-time income from my writing. Okay. Mm -hmm. So like all these paradigm shifts that I'm having on this road to becoming a writer that I'm just like, oh, I thought it was going to be this way. And instead it was this way. And this was one of them. I was just like, I, I live pretty lean. Like at the time, I think my rent was like $500 a month <laughs> or something. I was like, you know, grocery shopping, like $30 each time I'd go grocery shopping. Oh yeah. And I still couldn't find a way to, to, you know, pay my bills through writing. So I was like, okay, I'm going to have to 
rethink my approach here. So I started working with other people who were just like me, who had stories they wanted to share and books they wanted to write and things they needed to get out in the world. They needed some help sort of organizing. How did you find those people? There were a bunch of them all around me. I was at the time also the managing editor at an online magazine. So there were a bunch of other regular contributors to the magazine who were wanting to write books. And then I also had some over the years, over the three years that I had spent just like, you know, hitting the scrapping. Yeah. Yeah. I had met people who like a, a handful of really successful authors actually, who had been super, super kind to me and opened Mm. their doors and, and like mentors to me who had helped me along the way. And so they were connecting me to friends of theirs. I was, I started working with not just brand new authors who didn't know what they were doing, but I also started working with these really successful, um, experienced writers and authors who just needed someone on the outside to kind of sit with them and help them organize their thoughts or organize their story in the, the shape of the book. So, um, I started doing that and that was in that season, which I thought this is just like a part-time thing, like on the side until I can really figure out how to make my mm-hmm. author career kind of take off. <laughs> so the, the most incredible thing happened, which is I realized like, this is where my passion was. This is what I was so excited about. Not just because I was helping people get published, but because mm. I started watching people have a transformative experience with writing. Come so on. yeah, they would come to the writing process thinking that they were going to do one thing like thinking, you know, I want to sell a book. I want mm-hmm. you know, to get a, a contract with a major publisher. And instead they would have this completely paradigm shifting experience with the writing process that totally That's reshaped amazing. their life or their community or yeah. their marriage or their amazing. work or whatever. Yep. And I was like, is this a coincidence? Because it seems like it happens every time that someone's wow. time to write something. Yeah. Where they have these experiences that are separate from the writing process, but also sort of connected to the writing process. Mm-hmm. And um, over time, I just started thinking it can't possibly be a coincidence because it happens every time. <laughs> and that's when I started doing some digging and I uncovered the data that I cover in this book, which took me six years to collect. But the, the data, like a huge, huge body of data that shows that this is predictable and true, that engaging in a regular practice of writing can, you know, everything from strengthen your immune system to improve your mood, to make you more likely to report being happy in your romantic partnership to like, you know, making you more likely to get promoted, like across the, the, the board writing can improve your life. And so that once I realized that, and that clicked for me, I was like, this is what I want to do. It's like blending all of my gifts Mm -hmm. and passions together into one thing Mm -hmm. to get to help people Mm -hmm share the story that's on their heart, get it out in the world. And at the same time, like really improve their lives and the, and the communities that are around them. So who is this book for then? This book, that's a great question. This book is for the person who knows they want to write something, but doesn't feel like a writer. So Mm. the, the millions of people out there who count themselves out, when you hear someone say writer, you don't think that that's you. Yeah. This book is for you. If you've ever thought of keeping a journal or writing down a story to, to pass yeah. on to your kids, or if you just like the act of like writing things down to process your thoughts, but you would say, no, 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 I'm not a real writer. I could never yeah. do that. I could never write a book. I don't know any publishers. I don't know. Yeah. This book is for you. I, I looked out there in the marketplace and realized there are all kinds of books for people who were already in the very small club of people who are willing to call themselves writers, but there were no books for all the people who were outside of that quote unquote club, you know? Yeah, exactly. Um, I felt like 
here's what's interesting is a lot of the things that people list when you ask them what would make what makes a person a real writer. A lot yeah. of the things that someone would list, I have. Okay. I have a degree in English. Mm-hmm. I have always loved writing. I've always been drawn mm, to writing. I was going to ask you that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I was like validated and affirmed in my writing ability very early on as wow. I, like, I tell the story of being in fourth grade, which I can tell later. But so all these things that people think, well, if I had that, you know, I've published um, three books of my own and 10 books of, I've collaborated on 10 books, uh, like in the writing process with other people yeah. and helped like hundreds of authors get their books out in the world. So like all the things you'd think you would need, I have. And yet I wrote this book for the person who feels like I did when I set out on this journey, which is, I feel so unqualified to do this. Um, I just know that I'm supposed to do it. So that, I just think there's a permeating weight or lie around writing or people even being afraid they want to write, but I, I think, and I say this to our community because they all know I'm. We are big on journaling. We create yeah. journals for you, <laughs> prompts to try and get you to whatever's inside of you, get it out of you, and it doesn't have to be perfect, doesn't have to be whatever. But there's this expectation with writing that if it if it doesn't make sense or whatever, then it's worthless. Sure. And like sentence structure. So for the people, I'm like the complete opposite of you. Didn't, my parents did not read me <laughs> books growing up. Didn't take me to the library. I read all my high school, like books for that I had to read in high school. I have cliff notes. Yeah. I don't know if you were around during cliff notes. Yeah, totally. I was. All that. I didn't read an f- actual book until I was in my early twenties. And so it, then that's the lie for me. It's a, there's that, sure. oh, well, it's not. So it's so fascinating to hear someone like yourself who has all the pedigree yeah. Still, there's that. What what is that? Looks. Can you give us some language around that feeling of? Yeah, not worth. I it. mean, other or than I'm not like with it. imposter syndrome, which is just mm. pervasive through every industry. But I also think Amen. that specifically as it relates to writing, there are a lot of myths that have been passed down for centuries upon centuries that are part of an oppressive movement designed to keep people quiet, designed wow. to keep. Pe- people from recording their stories. I mean, if you think about it, there was a time in history when women weren't taught to read or write, you know, anyone who was outside of the predominant, um, like powerful culture wasn't taught to read or write. And, and so then, you know, it's no surprise that we get history books that are written by one type of person who has one type of perspective, who gets to literally, I mean, quite literally make up history and create whatever kind of, uh, narrative narrative that they'd like to create. Whereas like the other narratives, the other experiences that are just Mm. as true and real and valid Mm. get completely left to the wayside. So to me, I think this is a justice issue, you know, like the Mm. fact that so many of us feel like, well, my experience doesn't really matter because fill in the blank is that actually is not coming from within us. It's coming from outside of us. It's been taught to us and drilled into Mm. our brains from Mm. before we were even here. You know, it's like we Mm. carry that in our DNA from our ancestors. So um, I'm really passionate about giving voice to people who tell themselves my experience doesn't matter because no one will ever read it. No one Mm. like me ever gets published. Um, You know, someone else has already written this story and they've written it better than I could or whatever it is, the list of things that we tell ourselves. Here's the interesting thing. People are always shocked to hear this because I've worked with authors all across the gamut from total beginners who are like, I'm going to write this book, but I have no idea if I'm ever going to show it to anyone all the way to people who have written and published dozens of books before. And they all say the same things. They all say, I'm not a real writer or I worry (laughs) I'm not a real writer. 
I'm telling you, people who are like <laughs> prolifically published will say this to me. They're like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not really a writer. Um, this was sort of accidental. I started this company and I just got a bunch of notoriety. And so a publisher came to me and asked me to write a book, but I'm not a writer, but I'm like, but you've written 12 books. And they're like, well, no, 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 it's not really that. Like I just wrote this course thing and then someone helped me turn it into a book. And I'm like, no, no, no. But you, you know, it's just like, you're doing the same convincing so true. Regardless of whether, so, where someone is on the spectrum. Um, people say someone else has already done this and they've done it better than I could. They'll say, I don't have the time to write. Mm. They'll say, what if nobody ever reads this? And mm. they'll say, I'm afraid this is not going to be any good. I'm yeah. afraid we'll get to the end and it won't live up to my expectations of what I want it to sound Man. like. So those are the five check, things people say. Check, check, yeah. check, check, check in yeah. all the places. Check. Yeah. Oh man, I hope uh, community as you're listening to this, it's just this, the resistance that's there is actually the very thing that as you step into, I've been telling them and I'm big on neuroscience for the body yes. and how the body responds, but that the very thing you need for neuroplasticity to happen is agitation, is yes. kind of this, I don't like it. I don't want yeah. to do you, There's no way around that. You have to confront it and do, I'm doing it anyways. Yeah. I was thinking of the Joan of Arc statement, like, I am not afraid I was born for this. Like you're just right. Yeah. Down or do the thing, the thing that feels most awkward because otherwise there's no change. So it's yeah. like, why? I don't just, I, I have to laugh because I was listening to one of your episodes today, a gal named Ruthie, and we're talking about affirmations, mm -hmm. which I love that, like speaking, we call that speaking life over yourself, yeah. like declaring it before it's even happened because faith is something you're, you're sure that it will come. It's not here yet, but it's coming. And we feel so kind of awkward kind of talking positively about ourselves. Sure. Like we're so quick to go, no, I'm not a writer. Oh no, this is terrible. We put ourselves down. Like, why are we so quick to that, but not be quick to go? I do have a voice. My voice yeah. matters. And Ruthie said a statement and then I actually wrote it down. It's on my phone now that says the creative process comes easy to me or the creativity mm. comes easy to me. I was like, oh, what yes. if I'm going to say that over myself every darn time I sit down to do the messaging or the writing that I know I'm called to do. Like it's why so do we tie it up into such, I don't know, make it so much more complicated. So uh, geek out on us. Tell us more in okay. terms of, cause I know my crowd's going to listen and be like, okay, give me proof. Yeah. Give me the neuroscience. Give me the sign. Give me the tactic. Cause th this is a spiritual community, but we're not idiots. We're like, there's okay. also science and fact, like let's marry these two. So give them some fun facts. of. Okay. So I'm going to get into the neuroscience and I want to say something really quickly first that that connects with what you just said. Okay. I tell writers all the time that writer's block isn't writer's block. There's no such thing as writer's block. Writer's block is life block. And because of that, where we're stuck in our writing will show us in a diagnostic way where we're stuck in our lives. So that feeling you were talking about, that sort of like, oh, this is uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't want to do this. That feeling as you approach the writing process, my, I had a therapist who used to tell me your relationship to one thing is your relationship to everything. Mm -hmm. So ask yourself if you're feeling that resistance as you step toward the writing practice, you know, what could this be showing me about my mm -hmm. relationship to other things that I want to try because it sounds fun mm -hmm. and I'm afraid I'm going to fall on my face or whatever. Mm -hmm. So writing before we even ever record a single word on the page already starts to show us to ourselves. And that's really the wow. power it has to unlock our lives. Um, but I will also, I'll speak a little bit to the neuroscience and the sort of like why it mm -hmm. does this. Mm -hmm. And the, the simplest way I can explain this is that writing does this by helping you access a part of your brain you don't often access. Okay. Most of your life in the modern world is lived in your prefrontal cortex. This is like the higher level functioning part of your brain. 
is the part of your brain that we need this part of our brain. It's incredibly important. It helps yeah. you get to meetings on time and pay your bills on time and drive on the right side of yeah, the road. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Helps you sort of follow the rule, understand what the rules are, follow the mm-hmm. rules, keep things logical and linear. The problem is most of our, of our daily behavior doesn't live in that part of our brain. It lives in a part of our brain called the limbic system. Yep. Um, and this is your brain's way of helping you because if you had to think through logically and, and critically, every time you brushed your teeth or drove to work or drove to pick up your kids from soccer practice or folded mm. laundry, like you'd be exhausted at the end of the day, just from doing the basic things. Mm. So instead your brain takes those tasks and it, it puts them into your, you know, your limbic system mm-hmm. and they become memorized body behaviors and you don't have to mm. think through them at all. And you just do them. So the problem is that the limbic system is also where trauma lives. Mm -hmm. It's Mm -hmm. also where um, our subconscious thought life lives. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of the daily behaviors that we have automated, that these same daily behaviors that we think, you know, maybe this served me in a season of my life, but it's no longer serving me and I wish it would change. Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. We try to change those behaviors from our frontal cortex. Mm. And it's like... It's like if you were typing on your computer and you wanted to make an edit and you started putting whiteout on the screen, it's not going to, as soon as you scroll, the whiteout is going to be in the wrong place. It's just, it's like at very best a temporary fix in order to make an edit, you have to go into the digital files Mm -hmm. and make an edit on the digital files. And if you think of your, your limbic system as the digital files, in order to make a change in our daily behavior, we have to go into the files to sort of Mm -hmm. figure out what digital file is creating this daily behavior mm-hmm. and we have to change it from there. The problem is it's really, really hard to access those digital files. It's hard to get into the limbic system because we're just not used to it. It's incredibly uncomfortable. The, the act of writing, the act of actually picking up a pen and putting it to the paper helps us get into mm-hmm. our limbic system and access the thoughts that live in a part of our brain that we don't normally get to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people will have an experience when they respond to a writing prompt. And I'm, I'm guessing some of your listeners have had this experience where you write something down and you think like, Oh my gosh, yeah. I didn't thought that. Yeah. And the reason is because you'll access a part of your brain. You don't even access when you're speaking. So even if you think you're speaking honestly to a friend yes. or to a therapist or whatever, you may not be able to access the thoughts that are actually driving your daily behavior. Cause, uh, it's so there's a part in your book get limbic. You call it get Mm -hmm. limbic. And as I read that, I was underlining, underlining, because that's kind of our, in what we do here, when people go for a walk and you mentioned that trainer that says, you'd be surprised Uh what people tell me when they're moving. Yeah. Because it's an access into the limbic brain. So I tell that a lot. We have a podcast where people move their bodies and listen to truth and in God's word and and just renewing them, literally renewing their mind. But they have to get limbic first. You've got to go into the, I think you even call it, isn't it the garage or like the the garage cabinet? Yeah. 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 And um, access that place. But we just can't get there thinking about getting there. Totally. When and we start to get limbic and move. So that's why sitting down and just writing whatever is an active health. Yeah. I mean, it's great for people to have a whole arsenal of tools in their toolbox mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. helps them get limbic. So I, I'm really upfront about this all the time. Like writing is not the only way that you can get mm-hmm. limbic. Mm-hmm. What you're talking about, the act of walking is actually mm-hmm. activating bilateral movement, which yep. helps you also get into your limbic system. Bilateral movement unsurprisingly, it's also what a therapist is using when they, use, when they do EMDR. EMDR. Mm-hmm. So EMDR is another way you can get limbic. Mm-hmm. Um, there's breath uh, work, 
psychodrama, breath work, mm. um, uh, what are some others, yoga, all kinds of mm. ways that we can get limbic. So writing is not the only way, but to me, writing is a way that takes zero training. It takes mm. a pen and a piece of paper. You can do it absolutely anywhere in the world with very little to no resources. You don't need any expertise. You don't need any guidance. You can do it all by yourself. So to me, I'm like, it's such low hanging fruit that there's just not a person who doesn't stand a benefit from using this as a practice. So good. My, my mom recently passed away about two years ago. And after she passed, I found notes around the house, just little ripped off thing. I'm, I didn't know, like my mom was a writer. Like she, that's so cool. And it actually gave me like, I am a writer. I am. Yeah. My mother was a writer. I'm a writer. My daughter's yeah. a writer. Like you're, we all have a voice. And I think in the end, it's really about having, you know, finding your voice and not being afraid to use it. And Man. I think that story is a good one for people to keep in mind when they think to themselves, what if nobody ever reads this or what if it doesn't mm. matter for anything? <laughs> your mom wasn't writing a book. She wasn't writing to publish. She wasn't mm-hmm. trying to put her voice out there on Instagram. Mm. You, her daughter, after she's gone, found these little relics that yep. make her feel just the tiniest bit more present to you. Amen. And that change the way you see yourself in the world. Like that's enough yeah. to do it. That's enough. To right. Do. Right. I think, gosh, we just live in that world. And you're right. I think going back to it feels so scary to do because there's this pressure to make a post or yeah. get the likes or publish the book. Yeah. <laughs> like we've lost what writing the purest expression and benefit that we can have from it to whatever we think it should be. Man. Um, you in your book, you start you okay. No, I do want to talk about this, the infinity prompt. Mm. I think that's someone was going to start. I highlighted that for people that just want yeah. to start journaling something, your infinity prompt. Because I think people always go, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to write. Sure. Talk them through an infinity prompt. Okay. Can I give a little bit of backstory to the or yeah, 100%, like, yeah. context for? So the infinity prompt is based on two things. Number one, it's based on what the research shows is the most effective way to use your time writing. It's a type of writing called expressive writing. And the definition of expressive writing is just simply expressing your deepest thoughts and feelings through the written word. So that's what the data says. And then the second thing is based off of a really basic therapeutic model called the cognitive behavioral model that has its limitations, but it's basically like the foundation of modern therapy. And cognitive behavioral model essentially just says that you have thoughts that are living in your subconscious mind that lead to sort of an emotional environment inside of you that create a reaction or a response that you have Mm -hmm. that are getting you the results that you're getting in your life. So when you get the results. Most of us, all we see are the results. We see my bank account is always lower than I wish it was. Um, I, you know, date the same guy over and over again (laughs) in a different body. (laughs) I, um, we have the same exact fight, my spouse and I over Mm -hmm. on repeat. It's literally like, just hit the button, like Mm -hmm. fight. Um, you know, I like lose 10 pounds and gain it right back. Or I, uh, you know, experience the same sort of like physical symptoms, no matter what foods I eat or no matter how I, so whatever it is, like, these are the results we're getting and we're focusing on the results and we're wishing we could change them. But a cognitive behavioral model says you cannot change them until you dial it back and figure out where these results were born and they're born in our thought life. And so the infinity prompt is designed to get you all the way back to your thought life and to help you separate what is a fact of your life, like what's the result from what's a thought that you're having, what's a feeling that you're having, 
and sometimes that can get convoluted. So this prompt is designed to help you separate all of those things. So the prompt happens in four parts. Mm -hmm. Starts by you, you pick a situation from your life that feels charged for you. Mm -hmm. And this could be something as small as, you know, the guy who cuts you off in traffic and flips you off or, you know, whatever, mm -hmm. yell something mm -hmm. at you. Um, it could be something as big as losing your mother mm -hmm. anywhere on that, you know, spectrum, losing someone mm -hmm. we love, or just like some sort of like daily annoyance, yeah. microaggressions to traumas. Yeah. You pick something that has like an emotional charge to it. So it creates an emotional environment mm -hmm. and you write uh, about that circumstance in three parts. You start by trying to list the facts of the situation. Yeah. So this means that you're approaching talking about this set of circumstances like a journalist. You're just yes. listing what happened. So yeah. if I'm talking about, you know, like a fight I got into with my sibling on the phone last night, yeah. I'm like, um, first, you know, the phone rang, it was XYZ time at night. Um, my sister said, and I try to remember exactly what she said. My response was whatever mm -hmm. it is. And you'll, the first thing you'll notice is how challenging it is to stay objective and there try to remember right. like, what did she say? Is that what she said? <laughs> or is that just what I thought she said? Am I sort of like putting <laughs> on top right. of what she said. So that's the first step. Second step is listing your, your emotions about the topic. Yeah. And depending on who you are, this may be the easiest for you. Sometimes, um, recognizing the emotions that we feel that sort of like emotional environment I'm talking about is the easiest thing mm -hmm. for us to tap into because mm -hmm. we're like, this is a very familiar feeling. I feel myself getting angry or frustrated like this all the time. It kind of doesn't matter what else happens in my life. I always yeah. find myself feeling like this. Yeah. So that's the second step. And then the third step is writing your thoughts. So um, depending on who you are, thoughts or feelings may be easier for you. The trouble with thoughts is, um, and I walk you through this in the book, but your, the conscious thoughts that you're having about a topic will be different than your subconscious thoughts. And your goal is to get to the subconscious thoughts. Mm. So a great way to get into this, like just a prompt to get started is the story I'm telling myself about this is, yeah. for example, a guy cuts me off in traffic and flips me off. And the story I'm telling myself about this is that guy must be having a terrible day. Mm. Or the story I'm telling myself about this is nobody cares about me. Everybody mm. always just takes what they want from me. Nobody even sees that I'm here. He almost just killed me and he doesn't even care. Right. So depending on the story you're telling yourself about this, this situation, it will create a different emotional environment for you. Right. Yeah, 100%. And as we peel back these layers, we can actually start to do a little bit of our own self-therapy, not saying you should fire your therapist because you shouldn't, but um, <laughs> yes, but you please. can kind of come to your therapy sessions, assuming you're already doing therapy, or if you're not, then you, know, you can do some of this yourself, but you can come to your therapy sessions and go like, here's what I want to talk about today. I want to mm. talk about how this guy cut me off in traffic because it really agitated me. It stirred some things up for me and I did a little bit of writing about it. And here's what I discovered. So and good. can I get some feedback from you on this? I'm curious if that's a pattern that you've seen with me since I've been in here. And I'm telling you, you will start to resolve things so much faster than you ever did before. You don't have to spend six months trying to resolve the guy who honked at you on the street, you know, like. So true. <laughs> so true. And it's something about you guys writing things down. It's. You're not, you're not saying them out loud to someone like you get to sort through mm -hmm. whatever it is. Um, and that, that is, I think the place where I can't, my feet, you, you know, you, you can only write one thing down at a time, but you're thinking a lot of things at one time. So True. when it becomes black, white on paper, there's something you can continue to a thread to follow and see where it goes, where thoughts come, go feelings get in there. But I, 
I just cannot um, say enough about this book. You guys, I think is, as I know for this community of people that are constantly looking for like, you know, it's not the one thing that, that, that does it all, but all of these tools to yeah. reach inside we are given they're within reach that we can use. Um, I think you all need to go find the book. Um, t- say it again, the name of your podcast. It's called find your voice with Allison Fallon. Find your voice. I subscribed today, so I'll keep Yay. binging on that. Um, <laughs> and I'm curious about your fourth grade story. What was that? Oh, so I was given an assignment in the fourth grade to write a story. We were told it was supposed to be one page front and back. And I went home that night and returned the next day with nine pages handwritten <laughs> front and back. In the days before computers were like, we didn't use tablets in the classroom. Um, but I came back with this story I was like so excited about and proud of and so Mm -hmm. excited to share with my class. And my teacher was really impressed and affirmed, you know, my, the gift that she saw in me for writing and asked if I would read the story in front of the class. And at the end of the year, she handed me a composition notebook, a really simple, like, you know, they cost like 25 cents or whatever. And she had written a note in the front cover that just said, you know, dear Allison, you're a great writer, please keep writing and, and -hmm. signed her name. And that whole summer, I just filled up every single page of that that mm-hmm. notebook and asked my mom if she'd go buy me more. And ever since then I've been filling pages of notebooks. So it's neat to th- think about how, um, you know, like the impact of one yeah. sort of teacher or mentor in your life who affirms yeah. what you're good at. But also I, I tell this story as, um, I don't know if it's a cautionary tale that might be too strong of a statement, but helping people understand how your early experiences with writing will shape your sense of yourself as a writer. And a lot of people have negative stories that define their early experience with writing Um, through the education system. It's sad to me how many people have an experience Mm. of like a teacher really tearing them down or telling them, you know, this isn't really your subject or you're better at math or whatever it is. Truth. It's it's just, um, you know, hopefully our our ideas, our collective ideas are changing around Mm. what it takes to be a writer or what it means to be a writer. Yes. But I think what I want people to be able to realize is that if you have some of those early experiences with writing, it's no wonder you would feel resistant to using this tool yeah. for yourself. And yep. so that yep. could be a place where you start writing, start by writing about some of those early experiences. Well, I'm here to tell you all, you guys know that I, these have all been things, I am not the same girl I was and from the girl who didn't read a book or get taken to the library, like now I can't get enough of books. I can't get enough. I write yeah. down continually. Uh, do you use it? I'm just curious. Do you use a, like an iPad, like good notes or anything like that to write? Or are you a pen, paper, I gal? use like old school, like old school. I'll show you my notes. And I just like, they're scribbles. Like these make, would make no sense and- to anyone else, but I just scribble stuff down while I'm interviewing people or while I'm on an interview, like if a phrase stands out to me, I'll just scribble it down. Fantastic. Do you ever worry about someone finding your journals? And like, not anymore. I did. So a whole part of the story that I tell in the book that I didn't tell here is about leaving a really abusive marriage. And, um, I wrote about that. It was like my Mm -hmm. very personal experience with using writing as a tool to recreate my life. But Mm. I, was very afraid when I was married to this person to write things down because I was afraid mm. he'd find them. And, and I knew from my experience with writing how honest I would be if I picked up a pen. And so I'll find every now and then like a journal that will have like a grocery list and a to-do list. And then it'll have like a tiny little note at the bottom mm-hmm. from that time in my life that'll be like, I'm so sad or, you know, I wish I could find a way out or something. Wow. So just wow. little relics like you were talking about with your mom. Yeah. That's, that's yeah. I think, the power of writing is that even in the thick of it, when I felt like I had no voice and I felt like I had no way out, I still knew the truth 
and knew the truth. And I yeah. can go back and show you these journals where I stated the truth, even when I, even when I was writing on Instagram, like he's the best husband ever. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah. All right. I want you to take the role of the fourth grade teacher for my entire audience. Yeah. Would you speak something true over them that they need to hear about mm-hmm. being a writer? You are a writer. I would use that affirmation. Just start saying mm. to myself, I'm a writer. Mm. If you think you're not a writer, here's what it takes to be a writer. A writer writes. And let me ask you this. Today, as you're listening to this, have you written, composed, and sent at least three text messages or emails <laughs> or other messages on Instagram or, or an Instagram Come post on. or whatever? You are a writer because you're writing. Yeah. So um, I'm a writer you are a writer. We're all writers. There's no, the initiation to the club. If you need an initiation, here it is. (laughs) Do you feel insecure? Uh, Do you worry that your words won't matter? Do you, are you terrified to start? Congratulations. You're in. You have been initiated. If you answered (laughs) yes to any of those questions, like you're in the club, I can tell you from, you know, being in the, the quote unquote, like sort of like letting, being let behind the golden gate of publishing and having a publishing mm-hmm. contract and putting books out into the world and, and earning awards for my books and working with other authors who have, you know, been bestsellers and whatever, all of that is fine and well and good, but it's, it, it does not compare to the satisfaction of saying a thing the way you want to say it on the page Truth. and knowing this is me. It's my voice. And I'm going to say this too. I have also more understanding in neuroscience, how it works. Are you get the greatest payoff? And, and I've been published now and, and know what that's like. You know, they have that book at the end. It isn't the moment of the book. No. It's not like, oh, the dopamine rush and life is great. I didn't you feel no. that like, well, there it is. It there was it is. in the work. Yeah. It was in the day, the grind or the I put that sentence together and it's recorded for all time. Totally. There it is. So it's the joy is in the work, not it's in so true. the accomplishment. Yeah. I tell authors all the time when they're in the process of launching their first book, I'll tell them like, just FYI, launch day is very predictable. It's a couple of things. It's one anticlimactic because <laughs> you think it's going to be like, oh, ha, ha, my book is out in the world. And it's just sort of like, well, there it, there is. it is. People yeah. post about it on Instagram. <laughs> and two, I mean, without fail, I have published three books of my own and I've helped so many other people get their books out in the world. Without fail, launching a book into the world will bring up your high school self to the surface. Like suddenly mm. you're like so insecure in ways that you never feel insecure in other parts percent. of your life. Mm-hmm. And so sort of setting that as the moment um, that you're that you're aiming for is aiming at the wrong target. So whether or not, whether you're listening to this and you want to write a book or whether you're like writing a book sounds terrifying, I don't want to write a book. The point is that the book is not the point. The point is the writing is the point and finding yourself within the writing is the point. The writing is definitely for the service of yourself or another, period. That's it. You're there to serve. Like serve when I'm writing, I'm thinking of someone who's hurting and needing Mm -hmm. to come back to their bodies and reconnect. Like I'm thinking of them. So it's just the service and that's the joy. Yeah. there it is. I did it. Yeah, man. It's so good. And I'm reminded of this. I want to say this, that uh, I heard someone might've been Lisa Turkers or someone that has like a writing conference and we're laughing at you go to that conference chance. Everyone stand up and say, say, look to the person to your left, your right. I am a writer. And everyone <laughs> says, I am a writer. You go, in what other profession could you stand up and say, I'm a neuroscientist, <laughs> I'm a rocket ship engineer? Like, no, but you can literally stand up and say, yeah. I'm a writer. That's yeah. it. You're in the club. Totally. Welcome to writing. 
Oh, so, so good. good. Okay, before you go, three rapid fire questions, purely just on your your knowing you and um, your health or fitness programs that you do. Okay. What do you prefer? Um, well, what's your favorite way to move your body? Yoga. Yoga. I what used kind? to be a runner and I, I do like, like Hatha or yeah, mm-hmm. it's like, you know, basically like flow yoga. Flow yoga. Yeah. I, I used to do, I used to be a runner and then I got to an age where it felt like it was so hard on my body and right. yoga has been a lifeline to me. How many times a week will you do it? Well, I'm in a weird season right now because I'm six months postpartum and I haven't oh. really gotten back into working out, but before the pandemic and all the craziness, I mean, I was at a yoga class four days a week at least because yeah. it's, it was like my sanity, you know, it is. We and offer now I'm that. like trying to figure out how to be a mom and, and your baby's adorable, by the way, oh, I stalked you. you on Instagram. Adorable baby. Love that. My babies are very big. I'm like, I can't remember my babies. That's it's hard to believe that she'll ever be that big. She will be. Oh my gosh. Enjoy it. Days are long though, right? Days are long. Years are fast as they say. Yeah. 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 Um, favorite apparel for doing yoga or when you work out, what's your yoga pants? Cause everyone's fit. What's your brand? I found this uh, Lululemon super stretchy yoga pants when I was pregnant that I wore. They're not maternity but I wore them. What's through. the brand or what's the Lululemon, style? I, don't know. I know Lululemon, but what style I'm thinking probably a line. I would imagine they're pants. like super loosey, goosey and soft. Yeah. Soft. Yeah. It's the soft ones. Those, they get me with the soft ones. Okay. Can, so coffee, tea, or kombucha. Can I pick two? Yes. Co- coffee in the morning, kombucha in the afternoon. Ah, it's like a kombucha girl. I'm good. I'm with do you. Grow, do you do your own or do you just buy it? I buy it because I'm too scared of the SCOBY. <laughs> the mother thing. It's weird. <laughs> Big old I'm booger. Like, I want to just pretend like that doesn't exist. And I just open a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I hope you enjoyed your time. Allie, we absolutely enjoy you. I'm Aww. sure you'll write another book and then we'll have you back again because I cannot say it enough in this community that there's just such a gift in, in finding your voice and writing it down. So thank, thank you for you. writing this book. Thanks so much.